uh, in our church, we've got a um, in our church we've got a couple of personal trainers, and so when you when you're at the gym with them, it's like all right, hi. There's this culture of high fives, and so it overspills into church. And we've got some people that love high fives and hugs. So, and, and you know, the funny thing is, is you know, we all know who those people are. Can we all know those people that don't like the hugs? For example, I'm not really a hugger. And so when I was in my uh, teeny bopper years and I would walk in, I'd know who the huggers were on the door, Chris Gerrard's being one of those. And so I, I would gauge who were the huggers and then I would walk right around the demountables and then come in this entry point just so I didn't have to get a hug. So I've gotten better. I've gotten heaps better, I think. You can test me on that later. Don't. Um, Anyway, way off track. How, how amazing is uh, the presence of God? And I just love when we can come into moments that the presence of God can do far more than any word, any, any message. And I just think it's just so important in our own personal lives, but even together as a church, that we create moments where God can move. Hey, we create moments where God can speak and you know, I just love just one word from God can change everything. One word from God, you can be in a hopeless situation. One word from God can just change your outlook and your perspective on that situation. And, you know, like I said, I just really believe that, you know, as a church, it's been a bit of a wilderness season. It's been a bit of a you know, a desert seed like the children of Israel. We know the promises, we know the inheritance, but where is it, God? You know, when you think about wilderness seasons for us personally, you hear from God, you know what the promises are, but you come into a wilderness place and you're like, God, where are you? For me, I don't do it so positive. Like, oh, God, I'm here again. Where are you? You know, I just kind of moan and groan towards God. But I tell you why, it's in those places that we learn to walk by faith. Because if we walked by our emotion, who knows, we would, would have walked away long ago. And it's, I love those moments, because in those moments, our character is built. It's in those moments where we actually anchor down and we might not hear the voice of God in those wilderness seasons, but we just keep going anyway. And the thing I love is that as we come out of those seasons, like I read, that you come out equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes when we're in a wilderness season, we think, oh, God's done with me. Don't you? So sometimes you're in a wilderness season and you're coming out and you think, well, this has been my season. It has been horrible. How on earth could God use me in this season to come? And I just want to encourage you that Jesus went into a wilderness season. And what was the outcome? Jesus went into the wilderness season, led by God. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Like, you know, why can't it just be all fun, roses, lollipops, all the good stuff? Why do we have to do wilderness? But as he come out of the wilderness season, it said that the wilderness season was broken in an instant and he was equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I just believe that for us, that we are moving forward and that this season for us, we're not doing it alone. We're going to do it equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Who's excited for that? And so vision. 
You know, if you hang around me long enough, you'll know that vision is one of my favourite things to talk about. I think when I get around our team, they're like, oh no, what's he going to say? What's he going to unpack today? And Vision Sunday for us. So we've been in Kalbara for seven years. The church had been around for 20 odd years. And in that 20 odd years, the church had never had a Vision Sunday. And so I'd come in and start talking vision and it was just this real big culture shock. And then our church now, Vision Sunday is one of our biggest Sundays in church, but it's kind of mixed emotions. They're coming in super excited to hear what God's going to say, but there's also nervousness going, oh no, what are they going to change? Because I love change, but who here doesn't like so much change? And, but the vision is so important. The reason why is, you know, Solomon in his wisdom in Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, people perish. And, and, and so God, when, when we look at who our God is, our God is a visionary God. Like think about it. every time God encounters man, humankind, man and women, he speaks their future over them, doesn't he? He speaks who they will be. He, he speaks what the promises are and, and, and where they're going to end up. To me, that tells me my God is a God who is passionate about vision, calling things out before they even exist. Jesus, I was been reading through the gospel and, you know, I just read the other day where Jesus walks up to Matthew, the tax collector. Tax collectors in the day, total scum, total outcast by society. You know, the Pharisees were offended. So let's say the church pastors of the day were offended because one, Jesus sat down and had a conversation with him, with, with Matthew. But I love Jesus and his provoking nature with the religious. He goes, well, come on, everyone, let's go and have dinner together. But one of his comments to Matthew was, come and follow me. Come and follow me. I see something beyond where you are now. To the fishermen who, who were fishing, that was their profession. Jesus said, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so Jesus was even in the business of calling out vision, calling out future, calling out this is who you are, this is who you will become, and then who knows, there is a journey. And so, you know, for me and for our church, I believe we've got to create space and room for vision because vision is our ability to see where we, beyond where we are now. Vision is our ability to catch a glimpse of what God is saying for the year and then will actually give us direction and give us focus and give us purpose. Because I don't know about you, I need purpose. I need direction. If I don't have vision, it's not nice. And so I actually need God to speak. Okay, David, this is where I want you to be looking. This is a direction in what I want you to be going. Otherwise, I'm here, I'm there, and, and never get anything done. And so, you know, I just even want to, just for yourself, and if you feel like you're just coming out of a wilderness season, which you know, I think a lot of us have been in a crazy season, in this season coming up, in the coming weeks, in the coming months, actually create space for you and God. Because I'm going to speak something that is a corporate vision, but God has a vision for you. God has a purpose for you. God wants to speak into your life. He wants to speak into your battles. He wants to speak into your mountains. He wants to speak into your families. He wants to speak into your workplace. Wherever you are positioned, God, I can guarantee it, God is speaking into it 
We've just got to stop long enough to hear it. You know, God's always speaking, and quite often we don't create space to let him speak. You know, I'm fine, I'm talking to God, probably more he's talking to me. I've just got to stop the chatter and let God speak. And so, so vision, and I want to call us into a corporate vision today. You know, HCC, what is God saying for us for 2020? And you guys are just saying, hurry up, David, and just say it. <laughs> what is it? What is it? You know, a year of fasting, the Christian F word, fasting. <laughs> you know, it really is. I talk about fasting, and I go, all right, good church, it's February, and they're like, you see him, don't establish eye contact. We are fasting, and Perna, I know you need to fast this year. <laughs> and it, it is, it's a, it's a Christian F word, fasting. Anyway, it, it isn't. The word I got, so as I was praying, 2020, what is your word? You know, God, what are you saying for the year? And the word that dropped into my spirit was countercultural. And as I, I just began, like, that's a really cool word, but what does it even mean? Like, countercultural, do I start dressing up in jumpsuits or, you know, what's the culture? Should I bring back, you know, the 80s and come in bright fluoro colours and all of that? You know, I just like, why was I born in that era? Look at the dress code. Anyway, um, so countercultural, and I began wrestling, what does that mean? You know, what does it look like for a church to be countercultural? And, you know, again, if you're around me long enough, I love culture. I'm always talking about culture. Because whether we like it or not, there, a culture always exists. Like, think about it. You can go into a home and you're there for 10 minutes and you can pick up the culture. You can pick up the vibe of what is happening. You can go into it like I love, like love travelling. And you can quite often drive into a community and you can get a feel, can't you, of what the culture is like over a city. And it's like that for church. Whether we like it or not, there is a culture that is being set. And if we're not the ones as, as Christians, if we're not the ones setting the culture and setting the tone for what happens within church, then something else is dictating the terms of culture. And I just believe that we as a church have got to build something that reflects a kingdom culture. That, that we've actually got a responsibility to build something here that expresses the heart of heaven. Jesus, when he's teaching us to pray, what did he say? He didn't say, pray that, you know, David's will be done on earth. Thank goodness he didn't say that. He says, no, pray that my will, pray that God's will and kingdom be established here on earth just as it is in heaven. And I just think as a church, we need to get back to that. I believe that's a war cry. I believe that that is a, a declarative prayer that we as a church, are we praying, God, we don't want to see our will. We don't want to see our programs. We don't want to see our bright ideas established here on earth. No. God, we want to see your will. We want to see your kingdom built here on earth. We want you to inspire creativity. We want you to inspire a culture that is not exclusive, but all inclusive. God, we want to see you build a culture once again within the church that doesn't just stay within the church, but overflows from the church and into our towns and communities. God, we want to see you build a culture within our lives that overflows out of our lives and into the life of others. Come on, God, 
Let your kingdom be built. Let your kingdom be established. Let your will be done. Who's going to pray that dangerous prayer with me this year? It's dangerous. And when I think, so I look, all right, well, what does that look like? Okay, that's great. I can inspire. I'm feeling inspired right now. Don't know if you can tell. You know, we, in our church, we hand out ponchos for the front row because I just spray it a lot. Umbrellas, yep, whatever works. Goggles. And so I began looking, well, what was it? Because Jesus was countercultural. Come on, when we think about it, Jesus offended the religious and he actually brought something in that expressed the kingdom of God. See, before Jesus, the culture was, there was a separation between the wealthy and the poor. There was a separation between, I am the priest, let's say, I am the pastor, I am the one that has access to God. Your only access to God is through me, and the only way I'm going to give you access and prayers towards God, if you bring me a good enough offering or you put me up on a higher pedestal, then I'll go before God on your behalf. And Jesus just said, that is rubbish. He says, no, God is a God of grace. God is a God of relationship. Stop bringing all these sacrifices. It is simple. Now, when people try to get into debates with you about theology, I say, my theology is love God, love people. Jesus broke it down real simple. Love God, love people. God, Jesus began to bring something of the relational nature, the relational heartbeat of God. And what did we see? We saw lives transformed, didn't we? We saw people being set free. We saw the emergence that men and women, uneducated, unqualified, being empowered and equipped and building the early church. Then it didn't just stop with Jesus. Let's have a look at the early church. Acts, just read the whole book of Acts and that will blow your mind. And you read through Acts that the early church brought in a new culture. When you read about the early church, every town and every community they went into, they were bringing in something new. It was disturbing. You know, for those that were in the business of um, building like little idols for people to worship and pray to, they were getting run out of business because the early church was so radical in love. The early church was so radical in bringing something of the kingdom of heaven that they were seeing the rich come in. They were seeing the poor mingled. They, they were the only ones that were going out and they were loving the poor, loving the widow. There was this movement of social justice that began to generate in towns and communities. So much so, entire cities were getting saved. Does that just blow your mind? You know, what would it look like even if 10% of the population of Oladola got radically saved? I tell you what, when you think statistically, that's going to have a significant impact on our community. You know, in Corinth, such was the move, such was the power of God in that place that they were bringing their magic books and everything. And it was estimated that over a million dollars worth of idols and magic books were brought to the centre of the town and burnt. I tell you what, that is a kingdom culture. That is a church that is changing culture, not a church that's being influenced by culture. And I just believed, come on, there's something for us to get back to. You know, I read, 
I love the book of Acts. And, you know, for us in Groundswell, our mission, our values, our vision, everything is taken out of Acts 2 because the church was so radical. It was this all-in, inclusive community. I read that people were being saved daily. I want to see that again. I'm going to be honest. I want to see that. I see every empty seat here is potential for someone to come in and encounter the grace and love and relationship with God. And I look at our culture. I look at our world. It is searching. It is broken. You know, never before as society have we been so connected, but let's be honest, we're so disconnected. And I just think there's something of kingdom for us to tap into, something that is countercultural that will see our community one and transformed by the power of God and who He is. Come on, an overflow of what he begins to do in our life that is countercultural, that will overflow into our families, into our work, wherever God has placed you, that there will be an overflow this year. And so, you know, if I was to say, what is my, my statement? In Acts 17, you read where Paul and Silas are going to a city and one of the... Um, you know, the idol makers heard. Paul had a reputation. And when he heard that Paul was coming, he was like, oh no. Those troublemakers who turned the world upside down have come here too. Didn't stop there. Now they're going to turn this place upside down. And as I think about it, I thought, man, come on. Our reputation as a church, these troublemakers who turn the world upside down, have come here too. We need to be troublemakers that turn the world upside down. Come on, I believe we've lost something in the church. There's a church where often we're seeing is just this organisation or something we just do on a Sunday. Actually, no, because the Bible says that the kingdom of heaven is real. The kingdom of heaven is powerful. The kingdom of heaven actually influences and shapes and changes culture. So there is something for us to tap into once again that we turn the world upside down. And I believe our region, it needs to be turned upside down. And so, countercultural is a word for us for this year. And so, I was just, again, just resting, okay, God, again, that's great. But what, what's practical? What can I take away? What, what are you saying in this? Because I can say this word countercultural, come away and go, yeah, that was awesome. I'm inspired. Actually, what is it? <laughs> what is it? And so... Again, just looking at Jesus, and I'm going to continue to where, where we were uh, this morning in Luke chapter 4. Because I think Jesus, he was the most radical and the most countercultural person there was. Hey, you know, just think about the radicalness of Jesus being nailed on the cross, looks at those that had just put him there and just said, Forgive him, Lord. I don't know if I would be able to do that. I'd be like calling down every angel at that moment. And so Jesus gets up. So Jesus, baptised with the Holy Spirit, led into the wilderness, comes out of the wilderness, again, just full on charged and empowered by the Holy Spirit, and then steps into ministry. And one of the first messages that he says, well, that we read about in Luke 4, 
says, in Luke chapter 4, 18 to 19, this is where we're just going to stay today. We're going to spend the next, um, you know, over the course of the term and the year, just unpack it in more details. And this is what Jesus says. And as I read this statement from Jesus, it is so countercultural. It offended everybody that heard it, but it actually set him up on mission. And this is what it says. Verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to be hope for the poor, freedom for the brokenhearted, and new eyes for the blind, and to preach to the prisoners, you are set free. I have come to share the message of Jubilee, for the time of God's great acceptance has begun. How amazing is that? This is what Jesus defined his ministry as. This is what Jesus defined his call as. He stood up, unrolled the scroll and says, the Spirit of God has anointed me. And this is what I love. He says, to be hope for the poor, freedom for the brokenhearted, new eyes for the blind. And then we read as Jesus comes out of the temple, we're reading salvations. We're reading healings, miracles. We're reading the dead being raised up to life again. Not only that, we are reading this cross-generational mentoring and community. We're reading something of this kingdom community that's being generated. Amazing. And it all started when Jesus declared this statement. So he went from wilderness into purpose, and this um, chunk of verse here actually defined the ministry and the direction that Jesus was was taking. And so, as I was just unpacking it, I was just saying, "Okay, Holy Spirit, I know you're saying something in this. What does that mean for us?" And so, the first one, I want you to say it with me: countercultural is. Countercultural is. You guys are good. You don't have to say you guys are good. Focused. focused. Say focused. All right, stare weirdly at the person next to you and say focused. No, don't be weird. That was a test to see if you're a weird church and you just failed. So the first thing about being countercultural. So who wants to be countercultural? All right, the first thing we can take out of this verse is to be countercultural is to be focused. And so Jesus sums it up in this way. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to be. And so Jesus, his mission, his mandate, his focus was all shaped by who? The Spirit of God. Jesus gets up and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And so here we read that there was a mission, there was a mandate that Jesus had come to fulfill. You know, Jesus didn't come and, all right, I'm going to preach here, then I'm going to come over, I'm going to do this, I'm going to implement some community programs over here. No, it actually, he said this statement with such intensity, with such authority. He goes, no, this is who I am. This is my mission. This is my purpose. And from the start of his ministry, he declared it in a public setting, in a public sphere. And as I think about this, you know what? We've got to be focused. And I really believe that there is something that God wants to do in us this year that brings an intensity, something that brings a focus 
to our walks with him, to our um, purpose. I love the Bible verse that says, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will follow. And I just believe that there's just something that God is wanting us to grab hold of again this year. Can you say the spirit of God is on me? Do you feel that the spirit of God is on me for this season? And I just believe this year, this season, that God wants us to say that again with such confidence. No, the spirit of God is on me. Why is focus so important? What do we learn about Jesus? Jesus' focus informed his actions. It shaped his perspective. And Jesus' focus wasn't on himself, but it was on God. The focus of Jesus was about others, and he lived his life to serve others. He even said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And there was just something in the heart of Jesus that caused him to lay his life down for all of humanity, which I'm so thankful for. And that's still being outworked today. Over 2,000 years later, that same sacrifice, that same mission and mandate is still being poured out today. And so the first step to be countercultural is just to ask ourselves, where, where is my focus? Because it's easy, hey, just to get focused on other things. And if I'm focused on other things, then that's the direction I'm moving. I'll become scattered easy if I'm not focused on what God wants me to be. And I just believe for us this year, as a church, as individuals, come on, where is our focus? Are we focused on God? Can we say the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me for this, for this time, for this season? And so, just to finish up on that, I believe that this year there is an intensity, a refining, and a sharpness coming to our focus. Who needs that? You know, I need that. I need that focus. So, second, now why don't you say this with me? Countercultural has a sound. Countercultural has a sound. Jesus didn't get up and just say, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because, see, guys, later, you can work it out later. No, he actually declared what his focus was. He actually declared what his purpose was. Let's have a look at what his purpose was. It was hope for the poor. Say hope for the poor. Freedom for the brokenhearted. And new eyes for the blind. Jesus' sound, his declaration was, I'm here to be hope for the poor, freedom for the brokenhearted, and new eyes for the blind. I know I read that and I feel challenged. I read that and I think, can I say that? Can I say that I'm living my life as hope for others? Can I say that I'm living my life as freedom for others? Am I living my life in that those that can't see that, I can see, I can see what is on them and I call that out so boldly and confidently like Jesus did? But that's what Jesus did and what had happened as he began being hope for the poor, as he began being freedom for the brokenhearted, as he began being eyes for the blind, what happened? We read that there was this kingdom community that was being formed. This kingdom community was so radical that it had a sound of freedom. This kingdom community had a sound of hope. This kingdom community were calling calls and purposes and destinies 
outer people. It actually saw the best in people. It actually saw people how God sees them, not how we see them. Like I probably would have seen those fishermen go, yeah, cool. Jesus saw purpose. He saw future. He saw who they would become and he called that out. And I just believe, church, there's something for us to tap into again in those. I believe that in this place that God wants to generate a kingdom community, that as people come through these doors, that they're going to find freedom. As people come in these doors carrying hopeness and heaviness, they're going to walk out of these doors carrying hope and salvation. We're going to see people come in broken, no no self-worth, and we're going to see the call of God. And as a church, we have a duty and a mandate to call out destiny, to call out purpose, and to release the call of God onto others. Come on, I see this house thriving again. I see in this house people rising up and loving a community in a greater way. It is time for us to generate something that reflects kingdom community. What is it about Highway Christian Church that separates us from every other well-meaning organisation in the town? Come on, what is it about Highway Christian Church that separates us from every community connect group that happens? There is something for us to tap into that is kingdom, that sees people free, that brings hope. And I love what uh, Brian Houston says. He goes, the church is meant to be an outpost of grace, not an enforcer of rules. Come on, people from all walks of life coming in and finding grace finding hope, finding freedom. Now that's what we can offer that the world cannot offer. You know, there's, we read in Acts, it was overflowed. People being added to the church daily. There was this sense of kingdom community that existed outside of a Sunday morning. I'm sick of playing church. I want to be honest with you. I'm in, interested in relationship. You know, it says that church wasn't confined to, to this. Church was, they were meeting out of homes. That was church. They were meeting in cafes. Just put a modern spin on it. That was church. Church happens wherever we go. Church happens as we gather people. And I just believe far out. May there be a testimony this season, out of our homes we're seeing salvations, out of our homes we're seeing people find hope, out of our homes we're seeing people find freedom, out of our homes we're seeing people discover purpose and calling. It can be cafes, McDonald's, down at the beach, out in the surf, wherever we go we carry purpose, wherever we go we generate kingdom community and when we get here on a Sunday's. There is a sound that is a celebration. There is a sound that ushers something of the kingdom of heaven into this place. That we will once again say that our walls aren't built with chip rock and bricks and our doors are rusty hinges and locks that don't always work. No, we can say that our walls are built on salvation. Come on, this is Isaiah prophesying here. Our doors are gates of praise. So when people walk through these doors, they're walking through gates of praise. When they see what, what, what's this place, what is Highway Christian Church made out of? It's made out of walls of salvation. So it is time 
for us to generate a better sense of community that's beyond Sundays. Let's get back to discipleship. Let's get back to the commitment of doing life together outside of what we see expressed here on a Sundays. It is time for us to generate a kingdom community. So the third thing, and say this with me, countercultural, countercultural. Reaches, out. reaches out. So Jesus defined, I'm here to be hope, to be freedom, and to be eyes. But then he didn't just stop there. He goes on and he says, and to preach to prisoners, you are set free. So while Jesus is generating something of a kingdom community here, he knew that, all right, this kingdom community is not exclusive. This kingdom community is actually to bring others into what I'm building here. You know, there's this mentality that is not a good mentality that the world is evil, the world is corrupt. We've got to do everything we can to protect ourselves. We've got to do everything we can as a church just to survive. You know, this little light of mine, I'm just going to let it shine. Let's just hold hands in kumbaya. You know that? If you want to get me angry, just talk about how we need to be a church that does that. And then you might see some chairs getting turned over. You know, there's actually a call and a mandate to bring others into what God is doing here. That the church was never exclusive. The church was inclusive. Jesus even said um, that, you know, I've got 99 sheep here, but I still see that there is one sheep that is lost. So what I'm going to do is I know there is life that is generating here. So I'm going to leave this here to generate because I know this community is building. I know this this community is healthy and I'm going to do everything I can to go after the one because that one needs to be here. The one needs to come out of the wilderness where it is and come into a place of wholeness and health. So I'm going to go after the one. I'm going to pick the one up on my shoulders and I'm going to carry the one in so it can encounter what the other sheep have found. Come on, it is time for us to bring a message of freedom. It is time for, for, for us to bring a message of love, to bring a message of grace. It is time for us to put our arms around people that are lost and searching. At times we carry them in. Now my arms get tired when I have to carry my kids. <laughs> Sometimes it's going to be challenging. It's going to be uncomfortable. Let's do it. And so... With one, one hand, we're building, we're being intentional and building a greater sense of community of what happens in this place. But then with our other hand, we're not so focused on here, we're missing out on the others that need to be in here. So one hand, we're building here. With one hand, we're constantly reaching out. We're constantly loving. We're constantly bringing others in. You know, Paul's instruction to Timothy was, do the work of an evangelist. I just believe for all of us, it is time for us all to do the work of an evangelist. Love on people. Take people out. Um, Cynthia in our church, you'll get to meet her if you haven't already. We're sitting around just doing vision and she just had this brilliant idea. She goes, I'm going to lunch, who's coming? And so just starting this, like, every time we go for lunch, right, who are we going to invite in? Who are we going to invite over to our home sit in? Who am I going to take out and bless with coffee? So countercultural reaches out. Preach to the prisoners, you are set free. And just one last thought on that. 
is quite often we have this idea of what revival is. I want to see revival. I'm sure all of us would agree we want to see revival. And quite often we think revival is just this weird working of God. If I just to simplify what revival is, revival is simply an awakening of hearts. That is what revival is. And I just think, come on, we're going to be a church in revival once again. Aladala, you've encountered it. You've seen it. But I believe we're going to see a revival go from the youngest right through to the oldest. We're going to see a revival that reaches not just one generation. I want you to catch the heart of this. We're going to see a revival that reaches the generations, the families, the youth, the young at heart. I know, I picked my words very carefully there. I put myself on the spot. I'm like, what am I going to say? No, I don't want to see you say oldies because that's not right. The young at heart. So the last one, just to finish up. And say this with me. Countercultural is about God, not religion. Jesus says, oh, no, you don't need to say that. He goes, I have come to share the message of Jubilee and the time of God's great acceptance has begun. Come on, it is time not to be religious. It is time. Uh, the things that, you know, I love it when people come into, like, you know, Colbar, I'm talking about Colbar. People come in and they're walking like this for the first time in the church. They're waiting for the walls to fall down. They're waiting for the roof to cave in. And they're waiting for people to judge them. And they come in very, kind of quite awkward. And so you can tell like, these guys haven't been to church before. They're not hugging. Well, I don't know why. It's just weird. And then when they come in and they just see no religion, but they're removing any barriers, removing any boundaries, uh, separate people from God. That's what Jesus did. He removed all the boundaries all the sacrifices, all the goats, all the sheep we'd have to sacrifice. He removed all of that and made it simple for people to come in and encounter God. I just believe as a church, we can't be about religion. We can't be putting false things on people. You've got to do this. You have to do that. You know, for those that have known me for a long time, you saw what I was like when I walked into this church for the first time. Hair very similar to this. You know, this is really me just in denial that I'm nearing 40 and now I can still grow hair. Praise the Lord for that. I, might, I may, have a, may have a couple of different shades in my hair now to what it was, but I can still grow hair. And I remember coming in and encountering nothing but love. I remember coming in. I'm a first-generation Christian. I was pretty messed up when I'd come in. I'd... You know, my life was surfing and parties, and I'd come into church on Sundays. I can guarantee I was probably still smelling like the Bundaberg rum that I drank the night before. And not once did, when I came in and started, like, as a Christian, not once did I come in and have anyone sit down and go, right, Dave, you can't go to parties and drink anymore. I was loved through that whole stage. And then when the time was right, God would begin speaking into my spirit. If I had to change everything at once, and if I had someone sit down and go, you need to change this, 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 I just went, that is too hard, I'm gone, see you later. Instead, I was loved. Instead, I was embraced, even when I made mistakes, even when I'd come in the next day smelling like the marlin. 
or I'd come in straight from the beach, board shorts still dripping, sand on my feet, walk sand through the nice carpet that David and Jan had just vacuumed. I was loved. And I just think for us, come on, let's not be a church that is an enforcer of rules. Let's be a church that loves. Come on, Jesus loved. Jesus didn't try to change everything all at once in his disciples. It was a journey. And I just think as a church, again, you know, we get to Sundays and we think, all right, we've got to get people saved. We've got to then get people free. We've got to get people baptized. We've got to get people baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then I've got to take them out into the back room and I've got to do a quick discipleship course, get them up to speed of where they're meant to be. Then I'm going to run them through a freedom course and I've got to do all of this in one Sunday. I feel exhausted thinking about that. You know, we need people to come and encounter Jesus. You encounter Jesus, we've got a lifetime to do life with people. I'm not interested in just the overnight discipleship methods. No, I'm, in, I'm interested in making disciples for life. You know, I'm not even interested in making disciples for ministry. I want to make disciples for life. I want to do life with you. I want to do the hard seasons with you. I want to do the good seasons with you. I want to celebrate when you celebrate. I'm going to mourn when you mourn. Let's just remove every barrier, every obstacle that stops people from encountering God, encountering Jesus. Amen? Amen. So, I've said a lot of things. Chriselle said, yeah, yeah, she's zoning out. She looks at me like this. Uh, So, to sum it up, sum it up, this year, this year is a year of building a countercultural kingdom community, a strong sense of community within the church, making lifelong disciples and bridging the gap between our region and the church. Why do I say our region? Because we're no longer just one church. Kalbara's in the north, Aladol's in the south. I believe together we're going to do some pretty amazing things. And so... I'm just going to quickly pray, and then we've just got some practical things very quickly. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going. Settle down. So, Father God, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you were here, and we thank you for your word for this year, that you're calling us to be a countercultural people. And I just pray for every single person here, that Holy Spirit, you would move. Holy Spirit, you would ignite something afresh. I pray that dreams and visions would come alive in this season. And this would be a season of focus. This would be a season of moving forward. This would be a season of gathering. This would be a season of growth. This would be a season where highway, once again, will turn the world upside down. So we commit, we dedicate 2020 to you and we pray that your kingdom and your will would be built and established in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's get sell up. Sorry guys, I don't know why it's talking so long. Um, Just, yeah, just quickly practical, I don't know what Dave's going to share, but just one, like, practical stuff to go with vision. Um, we're not coming here intending to turn, well, we kind of are, turn the world upside down. Um, not tra- turn the church upside down. Anyway, you might have noticed a few little changes, but the reason is because it actually links in with the heart and the focus. And so afterwards, you'll see some tables and chairs set up out there and just a couple little things as a coffee machine and a few plants and just some small changes. But the reason is because our heart is 
to if we're building community together as a church and we're building community together with community, we want space for you guys to be able to connect and, um, and really create space after church as a place of connection. Grab a coffee and sit down and actually have a conversation with someone like, you know, how are you going? Pray with someone. Just create space to do life together. And that can't always happen on like an hour quickly in Sunday morning, do church and then go home. It actually takes time to do life together. And so we just want to create space for um, us just to hang around and connect, have fun, do it. It's actually my favourite part of our service is that part. Like it's weird to say that's my favourite part of church. Um, but it is because I love, I get to chat to people and like see how their week's going and, and just creating space to do that. And so that's why there's a few little changes out there. It's not just to flip everything on its head. It's actually to link in with the focus of building community, building community within the church, but also as others come in. Like we want you to be able to say, hey, come grab a coffee after church and sit down with me, have some more tea most of you would probably go down to a cafe buy a coffee anyway get some lunch why not make this a space where you can do it here so today there is the coffee machines working Dean will be making you guys coffee they're all free today um, but as of the following weeks like we will be like charging three dollars fifty for a coffee but um as I said you'll probably go downtown buy one anyway but I know in our church, it's become just a part of the culture. And so most people will just buy a coffee after church, grab some morning tea. There'll be food out there. And, um, but they'll hang around for so long. Like it's hours later and we're like, okay, it's probably time to go now. You've connected enough. Um, and so we've been able to purchase a new coffee machine because the coffee now funds itself. And um, so like, as I said, like, eat, drink today, do all that. But um, that's kind of why, the why behind what you might see, because it's linking in with the focus of building community, doing life together. And um, don't freak out, there's still going to be like free tea and coffee as well. So if you love your cup of tea or you love your instant coffee, that's all still there. So grab that. But if you would like to another one, there's options. Um, and so yeah, that's right. Like Dave said, being intentional and focused about not just like the the vision up here and but actually bringing it into action this is part of the action of it creating space for us to connect and yep that's just my little part yeah that's all and we want to create space for community hey we you know I just think the church should not just be used on the Sunday but the church should be utilized from Monday right through and so imagine you know we've got the coffee machine functioning we've got community groups we've got things happening up here weekly so part of what we're doing is just to make this place feel like home again people come in and they feel so welcome you know even we want to talk statistically people have already made up their mind in the first 10 minutes of pulling into the car park walking through the front doors whether this is a church for them without hearing a brilliant message or brilliant worship. And so we just want to make this place just feel home. We want this place just to really represent the beauty and who our God is. And so, you know, part of this is just creating a culture where, come on, this is open. We're not just a church that's open on Sundays. We want to be open throughout all the week. Um, Just quickly, just discipleship. We, we really want to see people train and equip. So we're just going to be making sure we create regular space for uh, leadership, for development, for mentoring, for discipling. And we're going to be doing a lot of that with Colborough as well. One church together, which is exciting. Um, and just 
one last thing to finish off. You know, wait, how can we practically bless our community? We know our community has been through a pretty tragic season. Uh, between Kalbar and Aladala, we've actually got some funds sitting there that's, you know, close to $10,000. Um, and what we actually want to do is between the two churches, all right, what can we do to start a community project that is going to bless a community? And so we're actually dreaming. We're working on that. Um, I had a phone call from one of the pastors down in Melbourne, and they've got a full-time staff member, and he was the guy that coordinated the whole relief operation for the Black Saturday fires down in Victoria. So he coordinated Red Cross, every agency. He was the one that oversaw the whole thing. They've written books on him, documentaries on him. He actually had a heart to come here and work with us on how we can do that. So I'll be having a conversation Monday, coming up with a time. He's going to come in and begin working, giving us ideas on how we can do a community project as a church to bless our community that will go from season to season. So let's get excited about that. Um, you know, our church, both churches are excited and it's going to be a team effort, hey, to represent the church and for what it's in. So I've gone on for long enough. Uh, there is tea, coffee, go and get your barista made coffee. Get into the donuts before the kids come out and uh, be blessed and we'll see you Tuesday night for prayer.